Previously on the Simply Human Podcast. Is this Bear Rogers? I'm sorry? Is this Bear Rogers? Bear? Yes? Uh, this is Urban Rogers. Yes, otherwise known as Bear. Oh, yeah? (laughs) It's episode 10 of the Simply Human Podcast. Man, my dad was confused about that. And I'm your host, Mark Rogers, a human being, being human. My goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy life, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it's an interview with author of The Perfect Health Diet, Dr. Paul Jaminet. Then it's another hilarious edition of the Humans Being Human segment with our second conversation with the ever-popular Rick the Caveman, and we'll wrap up with our Simply Human tip of the week. Find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. There are links to the Facebook page, YouTube channel, and Simply Human Kids page on the website. Follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52. Email questions, concerns, comments to simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. So, without further ado, my conversation with Paul Jaminet, where we discuss the perfect health diet, why grains are bad, the benefits of white rice, long-term dining out strategies, foods you aren't eating but should be, how a low-fat diet makes you fat, why your doctor and vet should talk more yo-yo dieting and circadian rhythms. Here's Dr. Jaminet. Joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, I am beyond thrilled and honored to have, uh, to, to me anyway, the great Paul Jaminet, who is an astrophysicist, was an astrophysicist at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. So that right there tells you he's not... Uh, dumb. <laughs> He's very smart. He became a software entrepreneur during the internet boom, now provides strategic advice to entrepreneurial companies while pursuing research and economics. He also has a really incredible book out there called The Perfect Health Diet, which I have read and have gotten many people to read. So that's just the short uh, version of Dr. Geminet in a nutshell. Uh, welcome to the show, the Simply Human Podcast. Uh, thank you, Mark. I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Awesome. So I guess we'll just start with, uh, tell my tens of listeners, uh, you know, who you are, what your background is. And obviously I, I don't think there's a, there's a, a, a scenario where your story doesn't involve your wife. Uh, and just kind of talk about, uh, the, the work that you guys have done and so where it all started. Yeah. Well, uh, you gave a pretty good, uh, sort of background in the introduction. Uh, so I was, you know, following very strenuous careers of being a scientist and being an entrepreneur and uh, working 70 hour weeks and not paying much attention to what I ate and so I would drink a lot of coca-cola and uh, uh, stuff like that and I and my health started going downhill uh, actually uh, as early as my uh, late 20s when I took a year-long course of antibiotics for acne and uh, and I just while I was on the antibiotics, I started getting fatigued. I couldn't run nearly as fast, and uh, I developed rosacea and uh, hypothyroidism. And uh, you know, and I just from that point on, I just started feeling a little worse every year. And at one point, I started losing my 
uh, memory and uh, you know started becoming less productive at work and I started getting really worried um, and my wife is a biomedical scientist uh, she works at Harvard and uh, uh, she started having significant health problems too uh, in in her thirties and developed endometriosis and hypothyroidism and uh, a variety of other issues and you know so our health was decaying together and uh, we were pretty sure we were too young for uh, this to be normal aging and uh, so we wanted to figure it out and um, when I noticed it was really impairing my productivity at work then I decided I just needed to focus on becoming healthy for a little while uh, figure this out fix it and it took uh, a little bit longer <laughs> than I had hoped and, uh, even after you know for a long time I didn't know how to go about it but then we discovered the paleo diet in 2005 uh, and that helped and uh, and so then I spent about five years working full-time on figuring out how to optimize diet and we finally fixed our own health about 2010 and uh, uh, and felt that over those five years we'd learned enough that we really had to share what we've learned so we wrote our book perfect health diet and uh, we've been gratified to see that lots of people have benefited and uh, uh, so we've been blogging and uh, uh, refining our ideas and spreading the word cool now what uh, just uh, without without making people uh, you know not wanting to go out and buy the book what is the perfect health diet well it's basically uh, it works from ancestral principles so it's a natural whole foods diet uh, you eat the kinds of foods that would have been available to hunter-gatherers uh, natural whole foods plants and animals and relatively gently cooked uh, so you don't form toxins in cooking and uh, you know so those are the kind of cooking methods that Paleolithic or ancestral peoples would have used uh, you know so it's an ancestral paleoprimal type diet uh, but it's quite different from the common conception of uh, paleo or primal uh, because it much more closely resembles gourmet cuisine it's very delicious it's very balanced um, it has more plant food than animal food uh, by weight and and uh, it's it's quite a delicious diet and but the way we arrived at it is quite also quite different than the way um, most paleo primal diets are arrived at so we didn't go you know looking at historical or anthropological evidence to try to figure out what ancient people say um, actually we did do that but uh, it doesn't tell you very much because we just don't know the details a lot and there was actually a lot of variety depending where on earth they lived um, and we don't have health outcomes for them so it's hard to tell which of those paleolithic diets was healthiest um, but because my wife's background is in molecular and cellular biology uh, it was natural for us to uh, try and approach things from that angle and to think at a molecular level about nutrients and how much of each nutrient the body needs what do cells need what do organs need what does the whole body need uh, and so that's what we did was go through the literature for every nutrient and examine the evidence and figure out what's the optimal intake of each nutrient 
and then figure out what's a good combination of foods that will simultaneously optimize the intake of every nutrient. And so that was how we designed the diet. And we also excluded foods that have a lot of toxins, like most grains and legumes. Uh, and so our diet does resemble a lot of paleo diets. Uh, if, you, if you imagine a cross between paleo primal diets and gourmet cuisine, like classic French cooking, uh, you know, Julia Child or classic Thai, Chinese, Japanese cooking, uh, then you'd have a good uh, feeling for what the perfect health diet is like. And that, uh, I can attest, is delicious. <laughs> uh, and so what, um, I know there's a, the Grain Brain book is out, Dr. Perlmutter, and uh, Wheat Belly is very popular. And you, you mentioned a second ago about toxins, so you cut out grains and legumes. Sort of explain, uh, and that's what I love about y'all's approach. It's not, well, the cavemen ate this way just because we saw some bones. It's like y'all are looking at it from a, from a cellular, molecular perspective, which I think is fascinating. And so why not? Why are grains and legumes bad? Well, the basic reason is that uh, uh, if, if you think about who's eating what plants in different environments. Uh, in grasslands, which is where most grains and legumes grow, uh, the plants are getting eaten by herbivores, uh, who are mammals. You know, so grazing mammals like cattle, horses, zebra, antelope. Um, and, uh, and those mammals are very closely related to us evolutionarily. And uh, so what happens with grasses, well, their seeds are above ground, and their seeds are getting eaten. And these uh, grasses don't want their seeds to be digested. Uh, and so they've evolved compounds with which sabotage mammalian digestion. And those compounds work against us as well as against uh, herbivores. And, uh, and basically, uh, those compounds which can sabotage the functioning of intestinal cells can also sabotage the functioning of other cells in our body. And, uh, you know, so it's not really that safe. Uh, these, these plants have things which, uh, you know, basically sabotage our bodies. And uh, some of them are safe. Those are uh, the ones where the toxins get destroyed in cooking. Uh, so white rice is a good example of that. Uh, so with normal cooking, there aren't really any toxins in white rice that, that survive. Uh, and so that we can, is something we call a safe starch. Uh, but other ones like wheat, uh, the toxins are highly resistant uh, to destruction. And you have to basically boil uh, pasta in water for 30 minutes or more to destroy a significant number of toxins so you get really soggy pasta and people just you know don't want to eat things that way so uh, uh, you know so basically wheat is still delivering a significant toxin load and it's somewhat controversial how damaging that toxin load is we know that there are some people who are really sensitive to wheat uh, and you know they get significant negative effects and you know the conventional wisdom has been well uh, you know, people who aren't obviously sensitive to it, uh, maybe the effect is zero or minimal. Uh, but there's growing evidence that, you know, actually even people who don't have any acute problems from wheat, you know, that we can detect on any short time scale, you know, may have uh, chronic 
issues, you know, and they're slightly impaired health. And these things may show up over very long periods of time. And if you look at countries or even provinces within China, uh, places that eat wheat have shorter lifespans by three or four years than places that eat rice. You know, so the rice-eating countries of East Asia, like Japan and Korea and Taiwan, are the longest-lived countries on Earth. Uh, and it could be related to, you know, not having wheat toxins in their in their diet. Um, so it's a you know, it's still a controversial topic, but I think it's it's undeniable that uh, these plants have more toxins than other plants, and so the only question is how damaging are the toxins? And our position is it better safe than sorry. Let's uh, exclude them from the diet. Right. Now, in, in your opinion, and based on all the, the research that you've done, let's say that you're out, and, and, and I order meat from a grass-fed ranch, and, and the 95% of the meat I, I eat is grass-fed or pastured but you know there are those times that i'm out to eat where obviously it's not a grass-fed piece of meat or chicken or whatever it is so and not the chickens eat grass but you know what i mean just the pastured organic stuff so if i'm at a restaurant is it in the long term not like a one-time thing but like is it a better long-term strategy for health when you're eating out to have the the grain-fed steak and vegetables or like the bowl of pasta with a salad oh yeah go for the grain-fed steak over the pasta um you know so basically the difference between you eating grains and then an animal eating grains and and you eating the animal is that the animal will have uh digested and detoxified the grains first and uh you know so you're you're getting a much lower load of any problems than you would be if you ate the grain yourself. Um, you know, so it's it's always much better to pass a toxin through another animal uh, first. Right, right. Now, and, that, and I agree with that, and that's, uh, and, but uh, do you think, and I'm just asking this just from, uh, just because you have done some of this research. Now, I, I check blood sugar just about every morning just because I'm curious and I like to know how certain things affect uh, glucose levels. And if 95, 98% of the meat I'm eating is grass-fed, if I have a grain-fed steak, could that, like I guess, possibly raise my blood sugar more than if I had a grass-fed steak? Um, I, I don't think so. It's... Um uh, beef, there isn't really that much of a difference between grass-fed and grain-fed muscle meats. Um, you know, so the health differences will show up much more strongly in organ meats. You know, so something like liver, there's a huge difference between grass-fed and grain-fed. You know, so the conventional meats in the supermarket, they usually fatten up the cows uh, before slaughter and they give them, you know, fatty liver disease. and. Uh, you know, all kinds of inflammatory conditions, and that affects a lot of organs, it affects the bones, it affects the liver. Um, you know, but muscle meats are pretty, uh, uh, they're sort of the last thing uh, to get damaged when you, when you make an animal unhealthy. Uh, the muscle uh, it isn't really the, the place that gets affected much. And uh, so there's not really that much difference in composition between the muscle meats of uh, grain-fed and grass-fed cattle. Um, 
and I don't think it should affect uh, blood glucose regulation much. Cool. All right. Good to know. Um, now, in your opinion, speaking of liver, I had uh, a pound of grass-fed liver uh, throughout the day. I said that was my my meat yesterday was a pound of grass-fed liver, which is people are always like, "Oh, gross!" But I'm like, "No, if you if you like do it, prepare it right, it's actually incredible." So, and I, I know from reading your book that that's going to be one of the foods that you include in this next answer to the question that I ask you, which is. What, in your opinion, what are the most important foods that people should be eating that they're not eating? Yeah, well, liver and organ meats are number one. It, it's really hard to replace some of the nutrition that liver provides from uh, other sources. You know, so that's probably the single most important thing uh, people should add to their diets. I'd say egg yolks are another one. Uh, and collagen-rich material from, say, bones, joints, tendons, uh, and in order to render those digestible, you have to cook them a long time. So you want to make soups and stews that you simmer for a few hours and dissolve the uh, joint material and the collagen into the stock. Uh, so you make them nice and thick. And, uh, uh, and then uh, vegetable-wise, should, people should probably get more spinach, green leafy vegetables. They should probably get more seaweed. They should probably get more carotenoid-rich plants like sweet potatoes, carrots, uh, persimmons. Um, they uh, should probably get more seafood, uh, more salmon, and more shellfish. Um, let's see, have, have I left anything out? Uh, it's not that bad to eat things like dark chocolate in moderation, you know, up to maybe 30 grams a day. It's not that bad to eat coffee. I drink coffee, um, but uh, you know the biggest thing people need is a balanced diet. Uh, probably people should eat more acids, you know, more fermented vegetables, which make a very acidic uh, uh, juice, like pickles and, and sauerkraut, uh, like and use more vinegar and uh, lemon juice, things like that, in their cooking. Yeah, I have. Uh, I start the day every morning. If people hear you say that and they know me, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, this guy has really influenced Mark a lot because I cook once a week. I, I make a bone broth that has chicken feet and meaty neck bones and, and bone leg bones. I get the marrow out of and I make this incredibly awesome gelatinous soup stock that again people are like that's so gross and i'm like it's it's beef stock it's soup it's not gross it's incredibly nutritious and then and like i have uh i'm eating fish tonight and uh, i eat seaweed my my daughters like eating the the nori sheets and all that and uh i have ba I, I i've gotten to where my palate has changed enough to where the hundred percent baking chocolate that doesn't have any sugar in it it's just chocolate the, the cocoa is like to me tastes like a candy bar so i'll have that a lot uh and so anyway so yeah so there's uh, a lot of things that uh that you said there that that i do on a, and i was gonna say i start the day with about a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in a small glass of water and just kind of get that in my system uh early and i put lemon juice fresh lemon juice on a lot of the stuff that i eat so uh so yeah so i've taken a lot of things uh from the book most everything uh and implemented in my own life so um yeah in your opinion and you may not have an opinion on this but you know you mentioned earlier how you know that uh, uh beef manufacturers will fatten up 
uh, cattle by feeding them a lot of grains, especially towards the end of their lives. And so, how like where do you think the disconnect is between that practice and feeding cows in in essence a low fat, high grain diet, and how that doesn't make us fat? Um. Yeah, well, a lot of the diets that make us fat are the same as the diets that make animals fat, and uh, um, and I think you know malnourishing diets are uh, a major factor in obesity, and so uh, any unbalanced diet where you're giving them you know just a a large amount of a certain type of thing, you know, like cereal grains, uh, is going to promote obesity um, and they also do other things like it's very common to give animals antibiotics uh, you know which uh, promotes the growth and fattening of the animals and uh, and it's possible that antibiotic use has had a significant role in the obesity epidemic um, so uh, you know definitely there are a lot of parallels and uh, and yeah, actually, I think uh, uh, animal husbandry practices are actually a really good laboratory for learning about obesity because, uh, you know, a lot of farmers and agricultural producers have really striven to learn how to make their animals obese so that they can get more money per animal, uh, you know, have heavier animals so they have more pounds of uh, meat to sell. Right, and somewhere and, along the line, we've we've somehow thought that that doesn't apply to us as mammals that's that's uh, those mammals happens to but not us yeah well there's uh, you know there's this amazingly big disconnect between uh, uh, animal and human health you know like veterinarians and medical doctors don't talk to each other much uh, and uh, you know but the veterinarians actually you know know a lot about uh, diseases that would be useful for uh, human health. And, uh, you know, so medical doctors uh, for humans are really f focused on pharmaceutical medicines. And uh, uh, veterinarians often have a broader uh, picture of what makes animals healthy. Okay, uh, transitioning now just real quick, what speak a little bit about your your retreat uh, that that uh, the little camp that you have uh, it's down in Austin yeah so uh, we, we've got a we got an upscale property with uh, 14 rooms and uh, on a two acre property uh, where we conduct retreats and uh, these are uh, 30 day uh, health retreats where we teach people, we give people a comprehensive course and everything they need to know about how to be healthy and how to live a healthy life uh, once they get back home. And so we have a daily educational curriculum uh, that lasts uh, an hour and a half or so, daily lecture, and over the course of 30 days, we comprehensively cover diet, nutrition, lifestyle, exercise. Uh, and practical living. Um, all the food is prepared for you by a terrific chef and it's delicious food 
uh, and no one goes hungry. You know, even the, the people who are losing weight, and we've had people lose 16 to 20 pounds in one month, um, you know, are never hungry. And, uh, and it's, it's delicious food, as you say. We've got an exercise program. There's a yoga instructor. Uh, there's all kinds of activities. Um, Austin is a terrific city. And uh, uh, there are cooking classes. Um, and uh, uh, all kinds of workshops and other activities. And so it's really a terrific way to spend the month. And everybody who's gone has had very impressive health improvements. Um, so we had, uh, well, I, you know, I can tell you about individual cases, but you know, some of them have been transformative, you know, have just uh, radically transform people's lives and uh, you know others they've made very significant health improvements uh, people have been so encouraged by the results that uh, you know we stay in touch with with people after they leave and you know people have done a very good job of sticking with things and uh, having continued success after they've gone back home and uh, you know so that's our goal is you know teach people how to be really healthy uh, for a full lifetime and really see big health improvements and uh, you know so everybody has really uh, everybody who's been has really enjoyed it and had a terrific time and gotten a lot out of it and gotten big improvements in their health and you know so it's a great way to take a vacation and uh, you know vacation with lifelong benefits yeah and I'll, uh, I'll link to the the retreat uh, website in the show notes and you know basically what you're saying is it's not a biggest loser weight watchers let's go starve ourselves for 30 days which in, in the long run isn't a sustainable way that's why I can't stand that show biggest loser it's because you they're not really they're learning about how to starve themselves or, you know for a long period of time and, and that 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 competition is all about who can suffer who can be hungrier hungriest the best and that's just not a sustainable way to do it and so I love you know the perfect health diet and y'all's approach is you know what I tell people when I'm consulting with them is if you're hungry you're not you're not eating enough you're not doing it right and and it's and if you're ever wanting for flavor or taste you're not doing it right and uh, so that's that's one of the things I love about the sustainable lifestyle that you guys advocate. So yeah, it's um, that's exactly right. And uh, uh, you know, hunger is a cue that your body needs something, and you'd better provide it. Or if you continue to starve yourself, the need is just going to grow, and the hunger is going to grow. And um, I believe that that's what leads to these yo-yo weight regain. Uh, episodes where people lose weight for a while and then it plateaus and then it starts rising again and they get unbearably hungry and uh, they often end up with higher weight than when they started and uh, you really don't want to do that. Um, obesity is really, it's a health issue um, and uh, you, you know you should focus on fixing your health and if you do fix your health then your weight will normalize and uh, and you can have an uh, optimal body composition again. Right. Uh, so that's what we try to teach, and uh, and it's worked for uh, uh, you know a lot of our our readers, and uh, and so far it's working for every overweight person who's been at the retreat. Right. Now, and and uh, 
I don't know if you've done much research on uh, like kids and stuff, but uh, do you have thoughts or or any back back up to you know? Because like there's this thought that oh, kids are kids and you can feed them whatever they want and they'll they're resilient and they'll be fine. And and I'm I do not I do not agree with that uh, rule of thought. Do you have any thought on what kids should be eating and kind of how? there's more and more kids with type 2 diabetes and, and all that kind of stuff yeah well kids still need to eat a healthy diet you know I think they are more resilient uh, and the reason is that uh, they eat a lot more food compared to their body weight you know so a lot of nutritional needs scale with body weight and the number of cells you have and uh, uh, you know and if you're eating a lot more calories per unit body weight then you know, other things being equal, you're getting a lot more nutrition. You know, so children, if they eat a natural whole foods diet, are not going to be malnourished and they generally don't need to take nutritional supplements. Um, you know, whereas adults, as they get older, eat less and less, and the elderly often eat very little. And so the elderly tend to benefit a great deal by taking nutritional supplements. Uh, if they're well chosen and um, uh, you know so I think the elderly have a much smaller margin for error in their diet uh, the elderly can't really afford to eat a lot of empty calories they should really eat nutrient-dense foods you know whereas kids can have a lot of desserts and uh, you know treats and stuff and if they're eating other uh, natural whole foods with you know good nutrient density they'll, they'll still be okay huh. that is really uh, interesting with the that margin for error and that makes a whole lot of sense uh it's a it's a lot of it has to do with the, the volume uh, per as it as it pertains to your the proportion of food to you, the number of cells you have i've never even thought of it like that that's that's really fascinating yep yeah so uh yeah, I think children, you know, there are some differences between children's diets and adult diets. You know, for instance, children uh, need a little bit more carbohydrates than adults do, and uh, especially young children. And, uh, you know, so adults should, um, you know, actually it's not a bad practice to, you know, make a lot of natural whole foods available to kids, but let them eat according to their taste and, uh, you know, find the things that they like. And often, uh, if you educate their taste so that they like, you know, lots of different foods, then they'll eat them in the right proportions, just naturally. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, I'll, we'll go through phases. I've got a four-year-old and a three-year-old and a, a three-week-old, and you know that they're like, I, we cannot keep strawberries, for instance, stocked in the refrigerator. I'm going to the store every day for strawberries, and then all of a sudden. I get a whole thing of strawberries that goes bad and now they're eating kiwis like crazy it's like finding what and it's not because they're being picky or stubborn that's their body saying okay there's something in these strawberries that we need right now and then now we've got all that now it's time to eat bananas until bananas are coming out of our ears and it's just and it's just really interesting how kids are so you know i, I let my kids eat when they're hungry and i never try to force them to finish their plate or it's just like they're they're such a clean slate as far as their hunger cues and their taste that i try to let them sort of uh have a say in what they eat and it's really interesting to watch them and how they you know decide on what they are going to eat yeah i was i was looking at a paper not long ago uh it dated from like the 1930s or or something you know where they set out 
you know, like uh, 30 different kinds of natural whole foods before uh, infants, toddlers, you know, age 6 to 12 months and, you know, let them self-select the foods and, you know, track them for six months and the uh, infants who self-selected, you know, what they wanted to eat, they would have, you know, this uh, buffet table of all these, you know, minced foods in front of them and they could, you know, pick whatever they wanted and they ended up being extremely healthy compared to the controls. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, so you can, you can really trust a lot of the brain's innate uh, food preferences and taste preferences and that's why our diet ends up being so delicious I compared it to gourmet food um, you know when you know those uh, taste segments of our brain they evolve to make us well nourished and when you have a diet that optimizes nutrition it just tastes delicious right. and uh, and that's what our diet does and uh, you know so the fact that our diet is so close to uh, gourmet uh, food is reassuring, you know, that suggests we really did get the nutritional aspects correct. Right. That's, yeah, that's really, that's great. Um, yeah, I have like 47 questions, uh, that I could ask you. And as we're coming up on time, I want to, I want to ask you the, the right ones, but, uh, you know, how about, how about this? Um, as you started kind of looking into this and doing your research and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here cause I didn't at- tell you, I was going to ask you this. Uh, but what, What's something that just really shocked you about nutrition from a cellular perspective that you were like, wow, that's crazy that that happens? Like, is there anything like that that has stood out to you as maybe one or two things that were just really shocking to you? Um, I guess things that surprised me that I didn't know uh, going in. Um, so one was how damaging omega, omega-6 fats can be and people get too much. Another one was how important vitamin K, especially vitamin K2 is, and how many people are deficient in it, especially teenagers. Um, and uh, let's see, another, another one was the importance of zinc-copper balance. Uh, another one was the importance of choline and the potential downsides of getting too much folate or folic acid. Um, so most people overdose on folic acid because it's fortified now and plus it's in multivitamins uh, but they don't get nearly enough choline and uh, uh, you know so they'd be much better off with a lot more choline a lot less uh, folate you know so the sources of choline are egg yolks and liver and where uh, we recommend both of those and um, uh, and then uh, collagen beneficial and uh, uh, iodine is another one that is extremely important and a lot of people overlook um, so I guess there were a lot of nutritional elements um, probably the single biggest thing in all of our research that uh, surprised me was how important circadian rhythms and circadian rhythm entrainment is for health uh, and that's probably about as important as diet as a whole um, you know, so if you train circadian rhythms, you probably add about six years to your life, and you know, or more, and that's probably comparable to the uh, lifespan extension from eating a good diet. Yeah, that's uh, one of the pillars. You know, sleep like a human, and part of that is to try to mitigate artificial light at night and try to get back into your 
your rhythm, uh, which people just, you know, that there's a yearly cycle and a monthly cycle and a daily cycle in, in nature and there's tides. I mean, the oceans move because of these cycles and then we think that they don't affect us which is another one of those disconnects that I think people have overlooked. Uh, but yeah, that we could have a, I could, we could do another hour just on sleep and, and circadian rhythms and, and how important all that is. Cause it's like the way I say, even if you're eating the perfect health diet, if you're mitigating stress, if you are moving slow a lot and lifting heavy stuff and, and you know, moving like a human, but if you're not sleeping good, it all, none of it matters. Uh, and the same goes for like if you're sleeping good and you're exercising, but you're not eating the right thing. Like it, it all works together, uh, and there's not one thing that's more important than the other. You got to have all aspects. Yeah, and at our retreats, we really put a big emphasis on circadian rhythms and sleep and exercise, and uh, it makes a big difference for people. Yeah, very good. And so, coming coming up on the end here, I'm going to ask you uh, something that I ask everyone who. Uh, comes on the show and that is what is something that that you really just enjoy about life or something that you do to make life more enjoyable um well i guess the thing the things i enjoy about life one is being healthy and um and probably the single biggest factor for me is is managing to get out and go running every day so that's an important thing and then the other thing i enjoy is uh, science and um, so really what I enjoy is understanding a problem and uh, you know seeing some phenomena and uh, being able to come up with a theory that explains all the different uh, phenomena fits all the evidence and uh, and makes sense and um, uh, you know so that's what that's what gives me pleasure, and that's what I like to spend my time thinking about. Uh, I don't always have enough time, as much time as I would like, to think about those types of things. But um, I've always enjoyed science, and I've always enjoyed problem solving, and uh, uh, so that's uh, how I try to spend my time. And uh, uh, y- you know, so I think uh, uh, we we do have some loyal blog readers, and I think. Uh, those are people who also have an interest in science done that way and so you know nearly all of our blog posts are you know sort of me investigating some uh, problem and uh, and trying to develop a theory to explain what's going on and uh, uh, and I find that's a lot of fun and uh, you know hopefully that fun comes through to our readers yes uh, I would say it definitely does and I've got I've got you as one of the blogs that I get updates on. Whenever you post something, I, I get a notification for it. And uh, I just, you know, I thank you for having one. It's a great combination, having that as the thing that you enjoy, is the problem solving and trying to find, okay, let's not just assume that X is true because, you know, who, an expert said it was. Let's go in and find some evidence to back that up. And so combining that love with your uh, nutrition stuff is just a great, uh, I guess, you know, you could say prescription uh, for a great lifestyle and a great way to, to be healthy and to extend your life and to be able to enjoy your, your, you know, as you get older, instead of being retired and then sitting, you know, in waiting rooms during your retirement, actually being able to enjoy your retirement. So thank you for all the work that you and your wife have done. 
Uh, thank you very much, Mark. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up our interview with Dr. Jamine. And um, we just thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. I'll have links to all of Dr. Gemini's stuff in the show notes, and I highly, highly recommend buying, reading, and implementing the Perfect Health Diet as soon as possible. Now, it's time for the Humans Being Human segment and another time-traveling conversation with Rick the Caveman. Full disclosure here, there is a reference to reproductive activities in the segment, but I assure you that the act was between two consenting uh, cave adults who were married at the time of this act. So if something like that will offend you, please uh, turn off the podcast. So here's Rick the Caveman. All right. Uh, everyone loved when I called Rick the Caveman, and so I know that uh, everyone is just super excited that Rick the Caveman is is uh, right now if you hear some noises in the background that is the the time machine connecting phone at work trying to break through the dimensions and get in touch with rick the caveman uh i haven't uh, had any communication with him since the last time uh we you know I, i'm sorry if he offended anyone about his beating his children comments uh but anyway okay so i, I think I'm, I'm getting it's the fuzzy uh, it's starting to kind of, and I can see Rick the Caveman, uh, just, but this is a podcast, so so I'm kind of seeing, oh, and, oh, my goodness, okay, I, I've, uh, this is not, this, uh, this does not seem like it's a good time, uh, Rick, uh, Rick the Caveman, are you, are you there, I'm sorry, am I interrupting, goodness gracious, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I, pardon me, I had a frog in my throat, hello, uh, this is, Rick the what, Caveman speaking. Was that a was that is that a boulder? What what are you, what were you uh, li lifting over there? I was just uh, smashing some rocks in the corner of the cave, uh, as you know. Oh. Uh, back in uh, the Paleolithic time, there's really not uh, we don't have Scrabble and, and things like that, so there's pretty much just uh, smashing uh, things. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. You know. I, I thought yeah, it looked like uh, I didn't, I couldn't really tell what you were doing. I, I thought maybe you had a, a carcass that you were. Into I, I I don't know what what it what it looked like, but uh, I, I'm glad that you're uh, that you're you're okay that you haven't you haven't been killed uh, in a in an accident. And how are the cave children? Is your cave wife? How have you been over the last few weeks? Oh, everyone's uh, everyone's been great. I'm slowly but surely teaching my wife uh, my cave wife how to speak. Uh, I, I'm now I'm trying to to figure out how to get her to shut up. Oh, <laughs> zing. Oh, I've been working on that. Oh, that, that was a good one. Oh, Rick oh mercy. Now, hopefully now, does she get the, the irony or the joke? I mean, how is her sense of humor coming along? Like when you say something like that, does she roll her eyes and get mad or does she just look at you and smile? What, what, what? I think rolling the eyes is the universal language uh, from wives to husbands, both in the Paleolithic time and all the way into forward into the future. I'm sure you make some real hilarious jokes, Mark. <laughs> Uh, what, uh, note that I'm using air quotes there, but uh, yes. I'm sure your wife does a share of uh, rolling her eyes at you every time you think you're being hilarious. Yeah, so. especially when I'm trying to do something um, uh, really manly, or, or I guess in your vernacular, really cave manly. <laughs> uh, no, we just call it it. Like uh, there's nothing, there's no, <laughs> it's just being a human. Okay, for that's, us. that and is so, all right. So when I do something like lift a boulder or eat a uh, a buffalo heart, uh, she doesn't think that's very, uh, or grow a beard. 
Uh, she doesn't think that's very good. Do you ha- you have a beard, uh, Ruth Caveman? How how is it? Uh, have you ever shaved your face? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm a caveman. We don't have, uh, you know, we don't know what that shave right. means. What are we uh, talking I'm about? Sorry. Sha- uh, shaving is when you take maybe a sharp object, uh, a sharp end of a rock, or possibly uh, a sharp end of a stick, and you cut the hair off of your face. Uh, and in my case, back. But who, but who needs to know that, right, Rick the Caveman? <sighs> Why on earth would you cut the hair off of you? How are you going to stay warm? <laughs> You're an idiot. Well, and, idiot. And you know, uh, you know, it is common for men and and women. Women shave their legs. Uh, some men shave their arms and legs. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah. In the future, women don't have hair on their legs. Have really, really sexy hairy legs. They don't. Only in Germany. <laughs> Uh, in Germany, next thing you're going to tell me they don't shave their armpits. I'm like, what are you mo- talking uh, about? Uh, Rick the Caveman, most women do do shave their armpits. I wish uh, it, it is my preference for for hairy armpits, uh, but uh, my wife uh, will my, my my cave wife will not uh, you know indulge me in that. She shaves her armpits. And I'll tell you, there's nothing sexier than just the 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 pungent. Horrible stench of a woman's uh, filthy, filthy, hairy armpit. Oh, you just can't. Oh, it's just like getting punched in the face with with aroma. It's so terrific. Well, I don't Rick know how you man. Do yeah, th- things have changed. If I can ever figure out a way to get you physically into our dementia, dementia, not dementia. Uh, you don't, you don't know. What, you don't even know what that means. But in our, in our dimension, uh, we are going to to have to relocate you in. Uh, Somewhere in, in maybe Russia or Eastern Europe, uh, because most of the women over there, uh, and, and uh, you know, if you're listening, if anyone's listening to this from Eastern Europe, which I know I have uh, thousands of Eastern European women listeners, uh, well, is every uh, is everything okay in the in the background? What what was that noise back there? It's uh, well, there's I've got a neighbor. I've told you about Grok. Uh, Grok is uh, now there's some banging going on on the wall. I just hit the cave broom against the wall. They're trying to get him to shut up. Uh, I just went over there. And he's having some cave sex. And that's just kind of how it goes uh, these days. Uh, just, you know, him and his wife, him and his cave wife are getting after it all the time. And it's. So that's what that, uh, that's what that noise was? Yes. Uh, my cave wife looks at me and rolls her eyes, uh, which, of course, sometimes I don't know what that means. But I think uh, she wishes that I would be more romantic like Grok, but. I don't know. Right. Like, uh, it's just a lot of effort. I'd rather well, just sit here and smash my rocks against each other. For a future reference, Rick the Caveman, that's really not, uh, how should I say, it's really not an appropriate topic uh, for a show like this. Uh, it, oh. You know, you, you maybe, maybe next time, just teaching you about social skills, maybe next time if there's a noise in the background, you could just say, oh, my neighbor was gored by a mastodon or he's being eaten alive by a saber-toothed tiger. So, something along those lines would have been more appropriate. Oh, well, well, all right then. I guess uh, you and your social rules in the future. We're a much more free society here in Paleolithic times. Uh, you know, we call a spade a spade. And I don't know what a spade is, but we just we have that saying. Do you play, do you play a lot of cards, Rick the Caveman? Oh, yes, all the time. Lots of cards. Uh, that's that's uh, very interesting. Um, I don't know how you would get cards. But anyway, uh, Rick the Caveman. Uh, hey! What is that? Is that is that Grok still? Uh, <clears throat> Well, Gro- let, uh, Grok uh, is, is back there. He's, he's an animal. animal. He's, he's an animal. He's an animal. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, literally, he's a cave animal. Uh, so, 
tell us about uh, have you had any you know interesting uh, experiences I know you don't go to the grocery store and, and get food and you don't even know what that is you don't know what money is so have you had any experiences uh, with your with eating or a hunting story or uh, coming upon a, a berry that you ate and then you know well the, the thing of the fact of the matter is mark uh, in, in in paleolithic times we don't have books we don't have uh, Wikipedia. You keep mentioning that to me, and I don't know what that is. I uh, actually never mentioned Wikipedia, do, but uh, that's beside the point. Continue. <laughs> see, everything we do is trial and error. You know, you see something and you wonder, hey, is it a good idea to do this? Oh, I have no idea. I guess I'd better find out. Uh, the other day, I was uh, I was stalking a mastodon through the field, and I, uh, I was hungry, and then I was surrounded by these, uh, you know, some types of grasses. I didn't really know what they were. Turns out it's wheat. I grabbed a fistful of it and shoved it in my mouth and ate it because that's just what we do. Generally speaking, the rule of thumb around here is, uh, you know, eat everything that you can, and if it doesn't work out, then ah, well, I'll just learn from next time. And man, I tell you, whatever I ate, uh, it gave me the worst. Uh, cave diarrhea. I done never had. It was like a. It was like a butt hurricane. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Rick the caveman. Okay, we we had. Uh, all right, all right. That's that's a little bit more uh, that we needed. But it, it, speaking on that, you know, wheat is actually uh, toxic to to humans or caves. Yeah, no kidding. I figured that out yeah, rather quickly. Yeah, so I'm doubled over on the, uh, the 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 toilet rock. Uh, you the know, cave toilet pooping rock. my brains out. I figured that out. All right. Well, that's yeah. That's that's great. Not uh, not really what I had in mind, but uh, thank you for sharing that story with us. Now, has there been anything else that uh, that's happened to you that uh, I don't know that would be interesting for our listeners to know? Hang on a second. I think I uh, speaking of what we were just talking about the whole trial and error of eating things. Uh, I think I see something on the ground that looks like Uh-oh. I'm going to eat it. You ready? Uh, uh, ready for I, I me to try uh, Well, I can, I can see that. I, I don't know if I would put that in my mouth just yet. Uh, that's a... Uh, oh, you're sounding a lot like the cave wife. Uh, why don't you just be a little adventurous? Okay, okay here we go. Ready? Oh, one, two, three, down the hatch. Oh, oh. oh boy. Oh, How is, what is that like? I'm going to spit that out. Mm. Oh, that was a rock. That, that was me. Oh my gosh! Oh my teeth! You wait. Oh, hold on. You just ate a rock. Uh, I tried. Well, Mark, uh, if you're keeping a list at home, uh, in the check mark uh, in the column of things not to eat, uh, please put rock. Okay. Don't eat a rock. Yes. Don't put a rock in your mouth. That was already on my list, but thank you for uh, experimenting for us, uh, Rick yes. Caveman. So. All right. Well, uh, Rick the Caveman, I know our transmission is is uh, starting to fail on us. Is there anything else uh, that 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 you'd like to share with us? I don't know that that was uh, uh, you know that happened to you that would that would interest our listeners. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you the, the cave life uh, is very very boring. I live uh, in a hole in the side of a mountain. I uh, smash things. I eat things. I light things on fire. There really is no other uh, form of entertainment. So, no, there's really nothing else uh, interesting I have to share. Uh, if there is, I will uh, write it down. Oh, wait, just kidding. We don't have pencils right. or paper no or any way to write things down. I will uh, I will just uh, draw a picture of it on the cave wall, and hopefully I will remember. Uh, I will look at the, the drawing the next time you call me, and I will think, uh, oh, that's a picture of me with a spear and a lion. I don't know what that means, but hopefully I'll figure it out. So, okay, well, but uh, Mark, Mark, as always, I appreciate you having me on uh uh, and, and 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 it's always a it's always a pleasure. Well, uh, you know, as we're learning, and and uh, you know, hopefully next time there won't be any talk of 
uh, cave sex or cave <laughs> cave diarrhea. Uh, so Ruth K. Man, uh, so, so, suit yourself. I don't know what kind of a podcast you're running over there. But. All right. Well, Ruth K. Man, uh, always a pleasure, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me, Mark. Thank you, Rick the Caveman. Always an interesting conversation. Now it's time for the Simple Human Tip of the Week. It's something you can start doing right now to be a more healthy human. This week's tip, eat more coconut and coconut products. Coconut does lots of things, including killing bacteria, viruses, fungi, and parasites. It's loaded with medium-chain triglycerides, which are also prevalent in breast milk, so you know it's got to be good for you. Something else that's in breast milk and coconut oil is lauric acid, which helps fight bacteria. Two other things in coconut oil are caprylic and capric acid, which your body can use immediately for energy. And those two things are what I put in my coffee every morning, those two acids, so through the MCT oil. Eating coconut oil will also give you shiny hair and great skin. You can rub it on your skin. You rub it all over yourself. It's great. Also great for cooking. Since it has such a high smoke point, I cook almost exclusively with animal fat and coconut oil. Another tip, cold processed oil carries a strong coconut flavor, so if you don't like the flavor, look for the expeller press, which has very little of the coconut flavor. I myself love the coconut flavor, and sometimes we'll put it in my coffee just for the flavor. I make my own coconut butter with the organic dried shredded coconut, which is super cheap. You need something like a Vitamix or a Blendtec blender to actually turn it into butter, something really powerful. So uh, there's lots of different coconut things, coconut oil, coconut butter, um, coconut flesh, coconut water. Eat more coconut. It's good for you. All right. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. Coming up next time, it's an episode on sleep featuring a night shift worker who has implemented some of the Simply Human sleep hacks into his life. Find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. There are links to the Facebook page and YouTube channel and the Simply Human Kids page on the website. Follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52. Email questions, concerns, comments to simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. And please leave a review on Stitcher or iTunes, good or bad. Any publicity is good publicity. So that'll do it for this edition of the Simply Human Podcast. And remember... And I'll tell you, there's nothing sexier than just the the... the pungent, horrible stench of a woman's uh, filthy, filthy, hairy armpit. So until next time, enjoy yourself.